that while some people, I think, are here just taking in some shade, that's cool. Some people may be here for the, uh, the, the session. Uh, my name is Nick, and uh, I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and uh, I'm here. Uh, I lead up a ministry uh, called Pulse, and uh, we put on uh, massive student-led outreach events uh, all over the country. So I'll tell you some stories about that, but the main purpose of this kind of seminar is talking about uh, just steps to lead a movement on your school or in your community. And so I want to give just a couple practical points. If you're wanting to uh, make an impact, be a light, uh, that's kind of my goal during this time. So let me just pray, and uh, we're going to get going, all right? So God, we just thank you that we can be here at Creation uh, Festival. God, thank you for uh, just all the people here. Thank you for the people that are coming and Lord, together we just pray that you would speak to us, uh, that you would encourage us, Lord, that these days would uh, make us love you more, and uh, Lord, just want to be more sold out and surrendered to you and to your purposes on earth. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Well, hey, i got to begin by just saying, uh, if you guys got any questions afterwards, I'm going to be in the, uh, the Columbia uh, kind of area where they got all the merch and artist stuff. So if you guys want to talk more, uh, I also got a book called Reset that uh, I'd really encourage you guys if you have a heart for uh, engaging your school or community. Uh, it's just stories of student, uh, student lives that have been changed. Um, so basically the deal is 10 years ago, um, I was a student up in North Dakota. I know it's a common vacation spot for many people in the Northwest. So Try not to be distracted as I talk, because I know you just get so excited thinking about North Dakota. Uh, but anyway, that was a joke. So North Dakota is uh, its the second smallest state in the nation, 600,000 people in the whole state. And, uh, and I grew up in just kind of a normal family, uh, religious family, but uh, my parents actually uh, came to faith uh, when we were little kids, and it kind of impacted our family, started going to a different church. Uh, started getting involved in some youth stuff, uh, had the chance to come to some festivals where I was from, and, uh, and so anyway, it's always awesome to be someplace uh, like creation, just remembering the impact it had on me growing up. But uh, anyway, 10 years ago, I was there in North Dakota and uh, basically just saw a need. Uh, kids on our campus were uh, destroying their lives. Uh, people were, uh, you know, drinking, uh, partying. Uh, just basically their lives are being destroyed left and right. And then suicide uh, was a huge issue on our campus. Um, we had a number of students uh, kill themselves. And as students, we were just burdened. I don't know if you guys are here, anybody sitting back there here. Anybody ever have a burden uh, for people, your neighbors, your friends? And uh, you're like, man, I wish I could do something. Anybody ever raise your hands if that's you? You're like, man, I wish I could do something. Uh, sometimes, though, it's like, man, you got a burden, but you don't know what to do, and you think you should do something, but you're not sure what steps to take, and so you end up doing nothing, or you end up just thinking about it, <clears throat> and you're like, man, I wish I could do something, but, man, I just, I can't <clears throat> do anything, and so as students, that's kind of how we felt, but basically, we just started to pray, and uh, so we came together. And we said, man, every week we're just going to start to pray. And we're just going to ask God. We're going to say, God, would you speak to us? Would you encourage us? And would you give us boldness? And would you give us vision to see God as you see? 
and to do something with our faith. And it was interesting because as we started to pray, it's like God started to change our hearts. And he started to remind us that it's his spirit that lives in us. And that he didn't give us a spirit of fear, but he gives us a spirit of power. And he gives us boldness. And he gives us creativity and gifts and abilities. And so as we started to pray, we started to say, man, we don't want to just pray. We want to put feet to these prayers. Because here's the thing that happens. Like when you start to pray, you start to realize that, man, these things that you're praying for, if you're saying, God, would you move in my neighbor's life? God, would you move in my classmate's life? God, would you move on my campus or in my community? You start to realize that, like, sometimes as you're praying for these solutions and outcomes, you start to realize that, like, God, by the Spirit, starts tapping you on the shoulder and saying, hey, man, hey, you're, you're a part of the answer to this prayer that you're praying, right? As you're praying that people would know Jesus, it's like God starts to say, hey, you can be a part of this. And so we started to pray, and God started to move. And so we started to just dream. And so I got two walls up here with me because they're kind of like uh, symbols of some things that happen in our life. So the first part is this wall. We call this a reset wall. Say reset. So now I'll be talking about this tonight on the main stage. But basically reset is kind of this thing of saying, man, what is it in my life that's standing between me and what God wants for my life? And so as students, basically what happened in North Dakota is we started to pray, and then we started to step out in faith and started to say, man, we want to take the campus. We want to see the largest Jesus-led initiative, the largest student-led initiative happen on our campus this year, be about Jesus, be about the hope and life that he offers. All of us had been at events like Creation or big, awesome conferences, and then we'd be like, man, I just wish my friends could come to something like this and experience that Christianity isn't just lame and boring and, and judgmental and all these things. We're like, man, wouldn't it be awesome if something like that happened here? And so we started to step out. But as we were doing it, what we realized is that so many of our friends didn't have a relationship with God. They didn't know anything about Jesus. And, uh, and so when we would talk to them, like, they wouldn't understand a lot of it. And one student who played a lot of video games said, Nick, what we're praying for is a reset. I said, man, what do you mean? He's like, well, when I played my video games, it doesn't work right. You hit reset. Anybody ever hit a reset button before? Anybody ever hit a reset button on anything? Okay, all of us, I think. Reset basically means this. It means to clear past errors and get the system working toward its intended or created purpose. And so we basically say, man, your phone, your computer, whatever it is, it gets messed up. You download the wrong files. It needs a reset. We say, man, it's the same way in life. We go to the wrong places. We do the wrong things. We think about the wrong things. We download the wrong files. And, man, the Bible calls it sin. The Bible says all of us have sinned, and we're all separated from God. And so we say, man, before we bring any kind of change to our campus or to our friends, we need to pray for a change to happen in our hearts. And sometimes I think, man, we want revival or we want God to do something. You know, maybe you don't even have a word for it. Revival is this religious word that 
is kind of becoming popular again. You know, Young and Free is going to talk about, you know, revival, you know, and, but maybe before that it was like old people talking about like tent meetings back in the 60s or something. Anybody at a revival meeting back in the day? Anybody? Man, I wish I could have been back when the revival meetings were popular. But basically they come and say, man, we need revival. But the bottom line is like before God brings change to your friends, he needs to bring change to, to you and to me. The thing you're praying for is, man, you're the one who needs it most. And I'll tell people, man, of all the people in my life that need Jesus, I'm the first one in line. You see, that's what Reset's all about. It's like, God, I want you. I need you. God, would you change me? God, would you restore in me the joy of my salvation? God, would you bring me back to that childlike faith that says anything is possible? Because, God, you're the God of the impossible. But it all starts, and this is how we said, man, it starts with the reset. And so, we, man, we do these walls that's about to blow over there. That's the spirit working right there. That's just the wind of the spirit just blowing that thing, and it's holding up miraculously by the cattle gate there. But listen, the reset is, it's, it's this freedom. It's the second chance. It's coming to God and saying, God, would you set me free from my purity? God, would you reset my faith? Would you reset my addiction? Would you reset my past? And there's a ton of different things. And so we had reset bins at events where people would come and put in razor blades who were doing self-harm. And people would put in you know, just a note that symbolized something in their life that they needed to be set free of. And it became this movement. And so at our events, we're always putting up kind of different walls or trying to find ways of symbols. And so imagine these walls just full of just words describing things that people are praying for. And so we use these at events. See, that's kind of the, the reset begins in me. But then it moves outward. And then we got this other wall over here. It says keep five. And so we say, man, there's always something I'm being reset from, and then there's always something I'm being reset to. So I'm being reset from selfishness, pride, addiction, a million things that are separating me from God. And I'm being reset to the mission that God made me for, which isn't lame, boring, ordinary, normal. It's not safe. It's not comfortable. It's not easy. But it is Jesus, and it's awesome. Right? And so there's a mission involved. Right, there's a mission, and so we center and we say, man, we, we just call it keep five. We say, man, who are the five people in your life or your network that need Jesus? We say, man, let's, we can all want to save the world, and we can all want to see these amazing, crazy, ridiculous things happen. But we say, man, let's start with where we are. What do you, you're like, what do you mean where I am? I mean, where you are. Where do you go to school? Where do you live? Who's at the locker next to you at school? I think every believer should have five friends that they're praying for every single day. And I think it should be in front of you all the time. Like, I'll tell, we have cards that we use, and I got one here I'll show you uh, in my Bible. And I'll, I'll, we'll take these cards and we'll have people, man, put one in your Bible. Say, man, take a card. And you see, you get a recipe card, do this with your church, do this with your youth group, anything. But say, man, do you have five in your life that you're praying for every day? You say, man, I'm just going to pray for them. They are my mission field. They need Jesus. And here's the thing, guys. We all know that we should talk about Jesus. Most of us don't talk about Jesus. It's scary. But say, man, let's start here. Let's start. Will we commit as a movement, as a church, to pray every day for five people? And so we pray for five. And so we say pray and then put feet to those prayers. But it starts with prayer. I'll tell people, take a card. 
put it in your Bible or on your fridge, whichever one you open more. Which is some people just take two cards, okay? Take two cards, just put one on your fridge and one in your Bible. Pray more, because when we pray, God moves. And I could tell you a ton of stories, and I'll tell some tonight, about when people start praying for friends, how the names that are on those cards, those same names, I believe, end up in the book of life. Because God is doing something big, even when he's changing your heart, he's resetting you from selfish living and thinking in fear. He's resetting you to realizing your mission and that you have power through the Holy Spirit. You see, fear is living under your power. Faith is living in God's power. And something happens when you say no to the flesh and you say yes to Jesus. You start to live out the mission that you were created for. Some people struggle with sin and struggle with all these things over and over their whole life. I believe a lot of it has to do with, man, you have never moved beyond thinking about yourself to realize that your life was to be lived like Jesus for others. You see, when you start to live out the mission of God, then you start to hunger for the things of God. It drives you to God's word with a new passion and with a new uh, commitment. So as students, you start to pray, we start to see friends know Jesus, classmates know Jesus, professors. We saw all this crazy stuff happening, literally these trash bins being full. And, and there's always these two things, right, man? We're, we're praying for a reset. We're offering a reset. Man, it's the gospel. When I give the gospel, I'll say, man, God's offering a reset. It's a second chance. There's a new beginning. And I'll say, man, of all the people that need a reset, I'm the first one in line. You're invited to come with me. We're going after Jesus. Just don't get in front of me because I need it more than you do. And so it's always this posture of humility rather than a posture of condemnation. Like, I'm not coming to anybody saying, hey, I'm better than you. So, man, you, I thought, you know, a preacher, I heard a preacher saying, man, you got to find some messed up people who need Jesus. And I thought of you, man. I thought of you. And so I'm just here because you're the most messed up. No, that's not what this is about. Man, this is about the best thing on earth, which is Jesus knowing him, experiencing him. And, man, I'm going after him, and, hey, you're invited too because it's a free gift. And it is good news, and there is hope, right? And so it's all about this message, this, this idea. And so I just want to give a couple points here about how this kind of fleshes itself out because what started for us as students turned into an English paper I wrote. That English paper went viral on my campus. That English paper, uh, all of a sudden, I, I wrote it, gave it to some friends, say, hey, let's pray for God to change our campus. All of a sudden, I meet kids in our student union who are huddled, 30 kids praying, which I never saw anybody praying in our student union. They're all praying, like, revival, like, going after it. I'm like, man, what's going on? And the paper was titled Pulse. And, uh, and I, and I kind of get on the end of this prayer meeting. I'm like, oh, man, I missed it. I missed the revival prayer meeting on my campus. And they're all like, Nick, man, this pulse thing is blowing up. Have you heard about it? I'm like, yeah, I heard about it. Like, it was my, my paper I wrote for my class. I was just hoping to get a decent grade, you know. But it was a dream out of a prayer meeting, a dream of seeing God change our campus. And literally, it spread. So that prayer meeting turned into students huddling and meeting, 
turned into 20 prayer groups on our campus, turned into 24-7 prayer, turned into 600 kids that went through a training to share their faith, went to events we were planning in the biggest venues on our campus. We had 8,000 students come out, all student-led. 8,000 students come out, over 1,000 kids respond to the gospel. And again, this is just happening in North Dakota. Like, you know, we just got electricity. is awesome. And we had this massive thing, right? And so, like, God moved, and basically from that, it spread across our state. We had 50,000 students come out in North Dakota. That's like 10% of our state population, you know? Like, that's crazy. Like, it got so big that the governor called me, and, uh, and he's like, hey, we want to come and be a part of your event. And, uh, you know, we didn't know what the heck was going on. First of all, like, how would you get the number, right? But we, what we didn't know is it was the largest gathering of potential voters. And so there's never a pure uh, motive there. But anyway, this thing kind of spread, and God moved. And now we've had the chance to be a part of events, and we've seen like 3 million students come out the last 10 years. And so I just want to share a little bit, just some things that, that we've learned about starting a movement, okay, starting a movement, okay? So I'm just going to give seven simple points, but if you, you know, if you're going to take anything away, I hope just what you take away from this time, even if you stumbled in here for shade, is number one, there's a reset available, whatever's going on in your life, whatever junk, whatever baggage, whatever past, whatever sin, whatever's tripping you up, there's freedom available, so stop messing around and surrender to Jesus because he's offering it now. And, man, he, wa- he has more for your life. Okay? And once we get through that, then it's like if you could leave this and if you just start, if, you, if everybody in this room or if there's even two people in this room that say, you know what, I'm going to start praying for five people every day. And you make that commitment, you go for it. Man, then every, my whole trip here is worth it, okay? So I just want to challenge you with those things. As I get started here with these, uh, with these seven points. Okay, so things about leading a movement. Uh, number one, number one, if you want to see a movement happen in your city, on your school, in your campus, at your workplace. And first off, let me say, you say, what's a movement? I, I describe a movement as any time when you're surrendering to Jesus and you're a part of something that's bigger than you are. Right? It's a movement. When it's not, you can't explain it, and you can't take credit for it, because it's bigger, right? All too often, I think we plan things in the church that we can manage and that are safe. And, and I just think, man, it, we, what we need is a movement of God. What we need is something where the only explanation is, that was God. That was God. So I didn't even say this, but actually a year ago this weekend, this whole Pulse thing and this reset message spread all the way to the National Mall in Washington, D.C. And we're like, man, we want to have the largest Jesus gathering that our nation's ever seen led by young people. And we literally were like, we're going to book the wall. And it was all crazy. It was all crazy. We're like, we want to raise millions of dollars to put on this event. And we want to have hundreds of thousands of young people gather on the National Mall to pray and lift up Jesus. And you know what? A year ago, this weekend, it happened. We had 300 to 500,000 young people gather on the National Mall to pray for revival. 
And the Washington Post and USA Today, they're like, we didn't quite understand. You know, you guys said it wasn't going to be a political gathering, and you said you weren't going to rally against all these things, but you really didn't. <laughs> like, you said it was just about Jesus, and it seemed like it was just about Jesus. We're like, it was just about Jesus. You know, we just want, does anybody believe we need Jesus? Man, we need a Jesus movement in our day. And who cares? Who cares, man, what it's called? Like, we just want Jesus. Right? Okay, so, so seven quick things. Number one, it involves owning the call on your life. Owning the call on your life. You see, movements start with people. And so if you have a burden that isn't of yourself, right, you're like, how do I have this desire? Why do I desire that my workplace be changed? Why do I desire that my family be changed? Why do I desire? Man, I would tell you, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because you on your own are selfish, and you want to think about easy things. But there is a prompting of the Spirit of God happening in your heart, happening in your life, and starting a movement begins with owning God's call for you. This isn't about those people. This isn't about your pastor. This isn't about Christians who you think are holier than you or more qualified than you. Because God loves to use the weak and foolish things to shame the wise and he loves to use unschooled and ordinary people just like you and just like me. And so if you feel all the time like you're like, oh, no, no, that's a crazy idea, but I can't do it. But I'm just telling you, if you have a burden to start a prayer group in your school and you keep sloughing it off, man, you're missing out. If you have a burden to see friends that you know know Jesus and you say, I can't do it, man, you're missing out. A movement begins with a simple yes. You see, following God is all about obedience. God doesn't look to you and say, you need to be ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? Listen, you will never be ready. You will never be ready. You know, Luis Plow is from the Northwest. Anybody heard of Luis Plow? He's kind of one of the guys that, that I consider a mentor in my life. And uh, Luis, like 40, 50 years ago, he's like, you know, his mom in Argentina, his mom was like, uh, Luis, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for with your life? What are you waiting for? And he said, Mom, I'm waiting for the call of God. I'm waiting for the call of God. And, and his mom said, Luis, God gave the call 2,000 years ago. What are you waiting for? You see, God, he tells us to go. He says go. He doesn't say, you know, sit. He doesn't say, you know, just mind your own business. He doesn't say be politically correct. And he, in the Bible, it's all about, man, being set free of whatever it is that hinders, throwing off all that hinders. And then it's about running the race. It's about following Jesus. It's about making Jesus known. It's about pillaging hell and, and populating heaven. Right? It is about this mission, this movement this radical thing called Christianity, which is not boring, lame, safe, normal, but it's all about him, right? So it begins with owning God's call on your life. And I always say, man, revival starts with you. It starts with you. It starts with you saying yes. 
Second thing I'd say, second thing, own God's, own God's call in your life. Second thing is a movement involves recognizing a need. So it begins with saying, okay, God, I'm recognizing that you're calling me, and I'm going to own that. God, you're calling me, and I want to say yes. I want to say yes, Jesus. And that's the, honestly, that's the biggest prayer of my life. The biggest prayer of my life is that I would say yes. God, whatever, whenever, God, I don't care how much it costs. I don't care how hard it is. If you're looking for somebody to say yes, God, I hope that you know that I'm not just trying to put on a show. I hope that you know that this isn't just noise and motions for me. God, if you want me to sell it all, God, I want to say yes. If you want me to go there, I want to, I want to be at the place where I would say yes. But the movements always start as they begin with a person and then they always involve a need. So it's recognizing the need. Recognizing the need. So it's just being specific. God, I have this burden. People come up to me all the time like, man, I feel like my school needs prayer. Okay? So God's calling you to just do something with prayer. The need is, man, there's spiritual darkness. Nobody's praying at my school. And I think prayer matters. Or maybe the need is, man, there's suicide or there's darkness or there's whatever, right? It's recognizing the need. So you're saying, okay, God, I believe you're calling me and I believe there's a need that we as the church should be meeting. Now, you could apply this to many different things in the body of Christ. I'm just talking about specifically right now or, or vaguely maybe more so in terms of things I think all of us should be a part of, which I always talk about is prayer sharing our faith, getting into scripture, okay? So I'm just keeping it, keeping it generic right now to those things. But it always involves recognizing the need. Third thing, third thing. So it's owning the call. It's saying, okay, God, I see that you're calling me. So if I was to say what our experience was as students, God, we see you're calling us. God, we're recognizing that our campus is lost. There's massive parties everywhere. People don't know Jesus. Okay? Third step in terms of leading a movement. And these are in no particular order. But third step, man, you need to prioritize. You need to prioritize prayer as the backbone and the foundation. Prayer is the backbone of every move of God. Man, we, we, we as the church are so lousy when it comes to prayer. You know, uh, I, I just think, man, you show me a prayer meeting that's full, and I'll show you a God movement at, 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 that, is, that, is at, that is at work. And I would tell you this, man, when the prayer movement dries up, the God movement dries up. It's really easy to put on good events. It's really easy to get people to come. But sometimes I think God's not even there because it's a show. But prayer is the engine. Prayer is where we say we can't do it, but God, you can. 
Prayer is where we come and we hit our knees and say, God, you alone. Somebody told me when I was growing up, they said, Nick, your knees are the door knockers of heaven. I think it's time we knock. I hope those holes in your jeans aren't just because you're a hipster. You know, we just, we need more prayer in the midst of our plans. So prioritizing prayer. Prayer is the backbone. When we pray, God moves. One, own the call. Two, recognize the need. Three, prioritize prayer. Number four, you got to map it out. A vision. You got to map out the vision. You say, oh, I don't know it completely. I'm just saying, man, can you take that burden that God's given you and can you start to just put out some steps to say, here's what I think we should do. I want to start getting people to come together one morning a week. I want to plan an event here. I want to plan this initiative. Somebody I heard recently, they said, he, he basically said he thinks every believer, he's talking about their five friends, but he's challenging people, man, do you have a map of your neighborhood? And this challenged me because I don't. So I'm working on this now. He, he said, map out the vision. He said, I have, my wife and I have a map of our neighborhood. And we have the houses around us and the names of the people in those houses. And we know the houses around us that don't know Jesus. And we're praying for them every day. And we're praying that God would use us to bring them closer to Jesus. And he literally went through his map with me. He said, these guys, I had lunch with them. I'm working on it. These guys had them over for dinner, shared the gospel. They didn't like it. Conversation still go ongoing. We're praying for them. These two houses, they both came to Jesus. I had the chance to baptize their kids. But again, it involves mapping out a vision. In Proverbs, it says, where there's no vision, the people perish. And so there's something about mapping it out and putting it on paper. It's got to get from your head and heart onto a piece of paper so you can share it with others. You know, it'll drive you nuts if you just keep it there. You got to get it out. Number five, number five, when it comes to stepping out, no matter what the vision is, small, big, crazy, from booking the National Mall to planning a prayer group at your school, man, you need to be bold and you need to have faith. You need to be bold and you need to have faith. When it comes to a vision that's from God, to see a movement happen that's of God, it will always take you outside of your comfort zone. There's no growth in the comfort zone. There's no faith in the comfort zone. Faith is necessary when we step into something that we can't do on our own. And the Holy Spirit is God's antidote to fear. And Jesus said that when we get the Spirit of God, we will have boldness. We will be bold because he's called us. So, man, leading a movement always involves boldness and faith. There were students up in Wisconsin, and, uh, and they felt like God was calling them to reach their school. And they called us up. We said, okay, let's plan a prayer event. 
And these students were blowing us away with their boldness, with their courage, with their audacity. There was a freshman girl, 18 years old. She looked like she maybe weighed like 80 pounds, you know, like the wind would blow her over. Like you would never expect anything. Like you're like, this girl doesn't look like like the coolest person. She doesn't look whatever. But, man, I tell you, when that girl opened up her mouth, fire came out. You know what I mean? Like everybody rallied around this girl. And she's like, people need Jesus. The time is now. This girl was owning the, the call in her life. Man, she was prioritizing prayer. Uh, she was mapping out her vision. And she was rallying people. But you know what? She went after it. And that campus, they had 5,000 students come out over a series of months. 800 students came to know Christ. All started through this 18-year-old girl just stepping out in faith. You know what? On that campus, there was two freshmen that emptied out their bank accounts to, to give all the money they had so that their friends could know Jesus. Like, literally, they're like, man, we got to see something happen. And they're like, it's going to cost $5,000 to book this hall. And so two freshmen paid for it. One's like, I got $2,400 I've been saving up for years. I'm going to give it all. Man, that's boldness. That's crazy. That sounds like God. That sounds awesome. Man, why would we, why would we want to be a part of stories that are so explainable? Like, don't you want your life to only be explainable by saying, man, that's a God story. That sounds like something that only God would do, only God could do. Be bold and have faith, number five. Number six, number six, you got to find others. Just like anything, man, it's about a team. It's about rallying others to come together. You see, you put that vision on paper. You remember that this is God's call for you. This isn't you doing it. This isn't about you. That's why you prioritize prayer. That's why you stay on your knees and you believe that, man, there's boldness, there's courage, there's faith there, there's power there. And then you say, hey, man, let's go after this together. Can you imagine what we could do? When we were students in North Dakota, we said, man, it's going to cost a lot of money to see this happen. And you know what people think? They think because we're students, we don't have any money. But that's a lie. And let me just say that. If you're a young person, you say, I can't do anything. I don't got any money. Lie. You say, man, I don't got any gifts. Lie. You say, man, I can't do it. Lie. Listen, you can do anything you want to do. Man, I meet students all the time. Man, if you want that shirt, if you want that game, somehow you find the money, even though you don't got any money. College kids, man, college kids, I know you don't got any money, but, man, if you want to take that girl out, miraculously money shows up. Man, if you want to go on that spring break trip, miraculously there's money there. Man, we're like, man, we get money when we want something, when we need something. Students all over college, like, giving plasma to do this and doing that. I'm like, man, will you give plasma for Jesus? Are we willing to give everything? Man, he gave his blood for you. Will you give it? You know, I'm just, I'm just serious. Listen, I think there is something here about an urgency of going after. And so we said, man, we're challenging every student to give $100. Not from mom, not from dad, but can you come up with $100? And we called it the, uh, the, Gideon, the Gideon Project. We said, man, we want 300 students. Gideon had his 300. We want 300 students to give 100 bucks. 
We said, man, have you ever taken $100 and used your $100 to reach your friends at your school? Everybody said, no, I've never done that. Never even thought about it before. We said, man, can you imagine if you had $100 and said, I'm going to spend this and, and devote this money to see my friends know God. We said, man, you might be able to buy some Bibles, take some people out to eat. It'd be awesome, but your money would be gone pretty quick. But we said, what if 300 of us came together? We found a way to get $100. We worked for it. We did the Starbucks thing. We, we gave the plasma, whatever it takes. And then we came and put our money on the table, 300 of us. Now we got $30,000. Now we can make some noise. You know what? We raised $33,000 from students. Thirty-three grand came from students. One student sold his car. Sold his car. He's like, I don't need a car. I can walk. You know, I wish his car was like a Beamer. His car was like worth 200 bucks. But still, but still, man, it's about going after it, being bold, grabbing a team, finding others. Number seven, last point. Again, I'm giving you these things again. Own the call in your life. Number two, recognize the need. Number three, prioritize prayer. Number four, map the vision. Number five, you got to be bold. Boldness matters to God. It matters in heaven. God wants boldness in your life. He wants boldness in your life. Luke 11, boldness. Boldness. Luke 18, boldness. There's something about boldness that moves the heart of God. Too many of us, we feel like we need to kind of tiptoe around with our prayers or not rock the boat or not do anything too crazy. Man, God wants you to be bold. Man, it's time to get crazy for Jesus. It's time to get out the boat, not just get out the vote. Number five, be bold. Number six, find others. Number seven, number seven, last thing say here. It's just that, man, God's call when it comes to seeing something happen is that, man, it's about committing to obedience more than results. Committing to obedience more than results. Your job isn't to save people. Your job is to be faithful. Man, you can't save five friends, but you know what? You can pray for them every day, and you can do everything you can to bring them to Jesus. Your job isn't to manufacture or produce. Your job is to surrender and to be obedient to the Father who loves you, who loves you. A couple things I'll say in closing, um, and then I know we got, I think, uh, beautiful eulogies coming up here and uh, propaganda, and, uh, man, it's going to be awesome, way more exciting than the preacher guy. But listen, I'll say this. If you want some resources or connection points, uh, again, we're over there in the Columbia Center, and, uh, and we got a Pulse booth. Love to talk to you. Uh, we do a couple things when students or people are interested in seeing something happen. We do what we call Unite Events, and uh, Unite Events are basically gatherings where we will come in and help a community or a school put on a Jesus event that is uniting the body, where we can pray together and where we can get a sense of what God is saying. And for us, it always involves these. It always involves a reset. It always involves talking about keep five in our life. But it really is just an awesome opportunity to pray and to unite in worship in John 17 unity and cry out to God for revival. 
in a way that is, uh, is, is crazy and fun enough to get the charismatics involved, but safe enough to get the Baptists to come as well. And so we just want to lift up Jesus and have everybody there because we believe we, we're all on the same team. Amen? And it's a big old family, and family gatherings need to happen. Anybody love family gatherings? Family gatherings are awesome. But you know when you have a family gathering, there's always that awkward uncle. Anybody always, anybody have that awkward uncle in your family or awkward family member? If you don't know that awkward family member, it's because it might be you. Let me just tell you real quick. But listen, the body of Christ, man, sometimes there's some awkward family members in it, right? Some people that are like, ah, do we really have to have them be a part of the family? They're kind of weird. I don't know how I feel about them exactly. But here's the deal. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. Everyone's invited. Everyone's invited. Doesn't matter if you're a cool kid. Doesn't matter if you're a weird kid. Doesn't matter what you look like. Everybody's invited to the table of grace. It's beautiful and it's amazing. So we do these Unite events. Love to see it happen in your community. We also do a thing called movement training events. And, uh, man, it's an interactive kind of evangelism training that we do. Bring in some bands and, uh, and it's awesome. So come talk to us. Love to do it. Uh, let's just pray together. Can you guys stand up? We'll have everybody stand up together. I'm just going to pray as we wrap this time and uh, get ready uh, to rock the stage here. Uh, but listen, in closing, I just want to say this, okay? Last thing, some of you guys are just coming in. Big challenge is uh, five friends in your life that need Jesus. Who are your five and will you commit to praying for at least five people every day? Every day. Classmates, coworkers, friends. You just pray for them. Say, you know what? I want to start doing that. I don't know how many, how many people here would say every single day you're praying for five people. Okay, there's a few people here. A lot of us, I think it would be a good thing to start doing. And I'm telling you, man, you're going to be dangerous for God. You're going to be dangerous for God. You start praying. And he's going to move in power and do some things that you would never believe. And all you got to do is start praying for him. So, man, I just want to challenge you with that. The mission field is right around you. It's in your backyard. It's in the cubicle next to you at work. It is the locker next to you at school. It's the neighbor down the street. People in your life that you have a chance to be a light to. And you can be a part of saving them and seeing them find the life that they were made for. So I want to challenge you with that. Grab a card, put it somewhere where you can see it every day, and commit to this lifestyle, okay? Let me pray. I'm praying for some movement starters here. So, man, if you want to see something happen, come talk to us. We'd love to do it. There's always a couple people, a couple crazy dreamers. So let me pray. God, Lord, we're just here together. We need you. We're not perfect people, but, God, we know a perfect Savior God, uh, we are broken, we're messed up, we struggle. God, sometimes we even struggle to believe, God, but you are so gracious and compassionate to us. God, you're slow to anger, Lord, you're abounding in love, and your arm is not too short to save. And so, God, we come, and Lord, we just say, Lord, would you take us, would you have us as we are, and God, would you use our lives to be a part of something that's bigger than we are, God that we would be a part of your movement on earth. God, we don't want to just be lame, normal, judgmental Christians that the world says we are. God, we want to be like Jesus. So would you fill us with your spirit, and would you unleash us, God, from fear, 
and from, uh, God, anything, God, any shame from our past, God, would you reset us? And, Lord, help us to be fully surrendered to you. God, I pray for revival in the Pacific Northwest, God. I pray for the greatest Jesus movement our nation's ever seen to come from right here, God, where people maybe say, oh, man, people don't care about God up there. And, oh, man, churches, you know, they they don't see the same things happen there. God, I pray for revival, God. I pray for faith. I pray for boldness and courage. And, Lord, we believe you can do it, God, because nothing's impossible with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for paying attention. Have a good day.